Uh, my name's Bennett Smith. I'm one of the elders here at Southcrest Church, and uh, just what an honor and a privilege it is to be here on, on Palm Sunday, on Master's Sunday, um, representing, cheering for Scotty Scheffler today. Um, but uh, what, a, what a great Sunday it is to be with you, and um, uh, just appreciate the opportunity to bring God's word to you today. We're going to be uh, in James chapter 5 in verses 13 through 20, wrapping up our series uh, this morning. And, um, and I, I really am excited to dig into this passage, which is about faith. What does faith mean? What's its purpose? What ultimately does it call us to? And how to activate that in our, in our life. So if, if you will, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to uh, James chapter 5, again, starting in verse 13, and I think we're going to have the words up on the screen here in a second. Um, It says this, it says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Let's pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your provision in our life. Thank you for um, the season of Easter. Thank you that we can put our hope and our trust and our faith in you and that you can be the foundation for all that we do in life. Lord, we love you and we commit this day to you. I pray that you'd be honored and pleased through the words that are spoken this morning and that you would be glorified. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would become much, that we would become less, and that our lives would be spent honoring and glorifying you in all that we say and all that we do. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so Palm Sunday. Pretty cool day and perhaps maybe not a better picture of an act of faith than what Jesus did when he told his disciples, hey, go into town, get a donkey, get a foal. I'm going to ride on in as the king, but not in the, the way that the Jewish people thought uh, as, a, as a king. He, he, he came in and we know in the Bible that they cut palm fronds and they sang, Hosanna, Hosanna. Um, which really is interpreted as save us now, right? But, but Jesus didn't come to save us in a way that the Jewish people thought, which was to overthrow the earthly rulers of the day. He came to do it spiritually, to save us eternally. Um, and just a week later, those same people who were singing Hosanna, Hosanna, turned their backs on him, said, we'd rather have a murderer We'd rather have Barabbas get released than to have Jesus back, crucify him. Man, what a day, what a day. You know, Good Friday and Easter Sunday, they get all the love, but Palm Sunday was the beginning of our salvation story. 
Today's Master Sunday too, and I'd be remiss um, if I didn't say it kind of dawned on me this morning. You know, when I was a kid, I dedicated my whole life to playing golf. My whole life was all about golf. Um, And I used to lay in my bed and beg God, hey, Lord, I just want to play in the Masters. I want to win the Masters. Um, And I was a pretty, pretty competitive college golfer, tried to do the mini tour thing for a little while. And for a whole host of reasons, mostly I just wasn't good enough. Um, I never made it to the Masters. Um, God had a different plan for me, a different platform for me, a different opportunity for me. And I was just really humbled this morning um, to get to stand here on Palm Sunday, on Master's Sunday, and, and I'm not swinging a club at Augusta, but I get to talk about what Jesus did in my life and share that with you. And that's, quite frankly, way more miraculous than any shot I could ever pull off at Augusta. Um, so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. You know, James walks us through in really the first five and a half chapters of his book with very practical reasonings on what it means to be a Christian. What does it mean to follow God? Here's some practical things that you can do to follow Christ. And then he sums it all up in the last half of chapter five with this idea of a prayer of faith. And I think he does that because, man, it takes a lot of faith to be able to say, I hear you, I see you, Jesus, I understand what you're saying to me, and now I'm gonna step out in obedience. That's a risky move. That's a risky move with, with, with big consequences, both good and frankly, bad, if you will, for some of the initial comforts that we seek in, in life. And I wanna, before we dive into the, the passage, I wanna just share a few examples of prayers of faith that have deeply affected me in my life. And um, the first one goes back to Mother's Day of 1986. Mother's Day of 1986. I am a literal result. My physical being is a literal result of my parents' prayer of faith. For the first five, six years of their marriage, they desperately tried to have kids and, and they couldn't. For whatever reason, it just wasn't happening. And one Mother's Day in 1986 at the church they went to at First Baptist Orlando, there was an opportunity. If you're here today and you are praying to have children, we'd invite you to stand up. We'd like to lay hands on you and we'd like to pray for you. And dadgummit, if November of that following year, I wasn't born. And I think sometimes they wish they could have take back, taken back that prayer of faith. <laughs> especially from the ages of like 15 to 20. Um, I, was, I was rough. I was rough. The second prayer of faith was October 30th of 1994. And that's when I made the imp- most important prayer of faith. And that was to put my hope and trust in Jesus Christ. Um, I was seven years old. Um, there was a message given and uh, I just felt God calling on my life. And while I was young and there was a long journey ahead um, for me in, in maturing in my faith, one of which I will be on until God takes me home, that was that first step of saying, I trust you. I know there's something bigger than me out there and I trust you. The third example of a prayer of faith was one I didn't handle very well. Um, when I was 10, 11 years old, my mom got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and um, At 10, I didn't really quite understand what the diagnosis meant. I just knew that my mom had these little white spots that started to show up on her skin. 
And we went to the doctor and um, after lots of tests and MRIs and CAT scans, this diagnosis of multiple sclerosis came back. And I didn't think that much of it at the time because I didn't understand really what it meant. But in sixth grade, um, because I was such a wonderful child, I started to get in trouble at school. And so my parents had the bright idea that they were going to homeschool me. And so for seventh and eighth grade, I was homeschooled. This allowed them to keep a strong eye on me, um, make sure I was doing the things that I shouldn't have been doing, like hiding in dumpsters as a sixth grader to miss class. Um, These things my wife and I have to look forward to with our two-and-a-half-year-old. I'm sure he'll do many of the same things. But I grew up in a Christian home, and, and I knew this diagnosis wasn't great, and it seemed to kind of be getting worse. And so I would just pray and pray and pray. I'd read the miracle stories in the Bible. God, you said, says right here, actually, in, in, in James chapter five, if we'll pray and we'll have faith, we'll be healed. And every morning for multiple years, I'm not kidding. I would wake up, I'd run into my mom and dad's room and I would expect for my mom to be healed. She never was. She still isn't. And as I got into high school, I kind of came to this conclusion that, you know what, God is probably real, but he doesn't care about me. And I walked away from my faith for a number of years. Um, God actually used the game of golf to take me to a Christian college that I didn't want to go to, to start to turn my life back towards him. But things quickly digressed from there. Um, I got into the real world and uh, got my first real job after having to give up my lifelong dream of playing golf. And um, life very quickly became about Bennett and, and how great Bennett was. And um, I wrapped up my wife and our, our young one-year-old in a whole lot of horrible, horrible decisions and almost lost everything that mattered to me, almost lost my family. I was gonna be a statistic, um, an embarrassing one. And if it wasn't for my wife's consistent prayers of faith, I don't know what my story would look like today. I certainly wouldn't have my beautiful five-year-old Charlotte. I wouldn't have my incredibly awesome two-and-a-half-year-old son, Hudson. Um, I'd, be, I'd be a mess. But today, my, my, my prayers have changed. And, and today, my prayer for myself and for all of you is that we would find restoration in our relationships with Jesus and in our, in, in our relationship with each other, and that we would be prayerfully after a life of significance with eternal meaning. And I think that's ultimately what James is getting at in James chapter five. And so I wanna start by talking about some different tenets of what is faith-based prayer. There's four key things that we need to lock into in order for our prayers to be effective. And the first one is this, it starts with us. Notice that James says this, it says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. We have to recognize where we are and step out and say, I need help. It starts with us. It starts with us saying, help me. I need prayer. I need help. And then the second thing is it starts with confession. 
sin is a distancer between us and God. It removes intimacy in our life. And so when we don't have a life that is based in confession, that's based in saying, hey, I messed up. I need forgiveness, both from the people I've hurt and from God himself, we lack intimacy with, with God. And it is a hindrance to our prayers. First Peter 3, 7 says this. It says, you husbands life, likewise live with your wives in an understanding way as a weaker vessel, since she is a woman and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Why? So that your prayers may not be hindered. When we live a life of unconfessed sin, it hinders our prayers. It not only causes them to not be answered potentially, but it, it causes us to not ask for the right things because we don't have intimacy with God, which leads me to the third tenet, which is this, our prayers have to be aligned to the will of God. So when we pray and when we step out in faith, our prayers have to pass a twofold litmus test. Number one is our prayer has to be aligned with the will of God. If your prayer is not in alignment with the will of God, I've got news for you, it is not happening. It's not happening. Why? Because God is after his glory, not ours. He's not after our comfort. He's not after our happiness. He's after his glory. So if our prayer is not aligned with his will, our prayer isn't happening. The second is that it's gotta be for the glory of God. So we need to look deep inside of ourselves and say, hey, am I asking this for my benefit or for God's glory? And oftentimes, much like my prayer back when I was a kid, wanted to play in the masters, I mean, it was pretty much for me. I wanted to make millions of dollars, wanted to wear the green jacket, wanted everybody to know my name. Most importantly, I wanted to have a lifetime membership to Augusta National. <laughs> I mean, who can blame me, right? But God had a different plan. God had a different plan. Me being a professional golfer was not, that wasn't his plan. As much as I wanted it to be, it just wasn't his plan. As much as I want my mom to be healed from multiple sclerosis, it doesn't seem like that's in his plan. Maybe one day there'll be a miraculous healing. I'm still praying for it. But you know what? My mom's had an opportunity to minister to people and to show strength and to show faithfulness despite all the odds because of her illness. The fourth thing is we see that our prayers have to be fervent and bold. James mentions the story of Elijah and um, Elijah was a man. He's a pretty awesome guy. He was a prophet. Um, he did have an, a, a, a nature like ours and that he was human, um, but he was a prophet of God. And, and, and Elijah was around during this time of King Ahab and King Ahab was a horrendous person. He was extremely evil. Um, and Elijah got a vision from the Lord. He went to King Ahab and said, hey, dude, it ain't gonna rain for three and a half years. Bad news for you. There's gonna be a drought all over the earth. As you can imagine, King Ahab wasn't pleased at that news. So he said, get out of here. And Ahab uh, basically sent people far and wide looking for Elijah as Elijah fled. And God sent him to the wilderness. And in the wilderness, we see that God provided for Elijah. He sent, said, hey, drink out of the creek and I'm gonna send some ravens to you every morning and every night to bring you some food. And Elisha did that for three and a half years until the creek dried up 
because there was a drought. So then God says, hey, I want you to go to this widow's house, go back into town. And I want you to find this widow and I want you to ask her for some water and for some food. Well, this widow that God sent Elijah to, she was dirt poor. She didn't have anything. She was out of, she was out of stuff to begin with. So Elijah rolls into town and says, hey, I need some food and some water. And she's like, well, I've got a little bit left and I was just about to cook it up for me and my son. And then we were gonna basically have our last meal and die. We were gonna give in to starvation. And Elijah said, don't worry about that. Go make me a little cake. And the Lord says that your jar of oil and your flour, they're never gonna run empty. She believes him. She makes him the cake. Sure enough, her flour, her oil, they never run dry. Stories ends great. Wrong. Not too long after that, her son dies. So now she's like, wait a second, you roll into town, you take my last bit of food. That was pretty cool what you did with the flour and the oil, but now my son's dead. What have you done? And Elijah even says, God, like what? You send me to town and then you kill this lady's son? Like what's going on here? So Elijah goes upstairs, prays over the boy three times, lays on top of him, asks the Lord to bring him back to life. And he does, and he does. He walks downstairs with the boy in his arms and the woman says, now I know that you're legit and that your words are full of truth, right? Um, Pretty cool story about what it means to consistently walk through in faith. So those are the four tenets of what it means to have a faith-based prayer. So it starts with us. We gotta make the first move. It always involves confession. Hey, I'm wrong. I need help restoring intimacy with God so that we know what to pray for and that our prayers aren't hindered. Um, and then, the, and then uh, uh, sorry, I thought forgot my, my third note. Anyway, you know, you hopefully you already took notes. <laughs> um, but faith-based prayer is, is, is about stepping out. Right, and so I want to talk. I want to. I want to talk about three types of prayer, uh, three types of prayer of faith, and the first is the prayer of salvation, and this is the most important one. This is the most important one. If you get this wrong, none of the other stuff matters. None of the other stuff matters. Um, what is the prayer of salvation? Well, it starts like this: We were dead, separated from God. God sent His Son Jesus to earth to die for us. We're about to celebrate that next week. And in grace and in faith, we can be saved. We can put our faith in in Jesus. Um, It says this in Ephesians 2, eight through nine, it says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one could boast, right? God bestows his goodness on us despite of our deserving it. Our job is to say yes and to just walk into it. Say, I believe you. I believe that you did that. I believe that you have something greater for me. We see this in the story of the criminal at the cross, right? If you you remember, Jesus was in the middle. There's two criminals on either side. And one of the criminals said, hey, I wanna wanna come and be with you in paradise. And Jesus said, just believe and it'll be so, right? And and he did, right? That's what, that's what pr- the prayer of faith is. It's just stepping in and saying yes to what God has. 
And it's the foundational component of the rest of our journey as a believer in Christ, right? Because God takes us deeper and deeper and deeper. There is no finish line when it comes to following Christ. We're, we're, we're never at this point where it's like, all right, I'm good, right? If our ultimate purpose is to become more like Christ and Christ was perfect, Christ was, is, is all and in all, right? Then you can imagine that our, our journey through life is just gonna be like going a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper, right? More uncomfortable, ooh, God was good. More uncomfortable, ooh, saw his faithfulness. More uncomfortable, dadgummit, he did it again, right? That's, that's what walking in faith is. It's us just saying, hey, Lord, I trust you. I know you are good. I know you have it. I'm just gonna keep going and I'm gonna trust you all, all, all along the way. It doesn't mean that we're not uncomfortable at times. It doesn't mean that we're not, um, scared at times. It just means that above all else, we say, I trust you. I trust you. And that starts initially with us putting our faith and our hope and our lives in the hands of Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross. So if you haven't done that, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that later today. And it'll be a really great Easter for you um, if you do. The second is type of prayer of faith is a, is a prayer for others. It's a prayer for others. And um, to be honest with you, I'm better at this type of prayer probably than I am at the third type, which is the prayer for ourselves. Um, but praying for others is critical. It is an act of obedience. We see this in scripture um, where it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Like we, we, we are commanded to pray for others. We're commanded to bear the burdens of others. You saw that in the story of Mike and Chris, right? Like inconvenient, absolutely. Untimely, 100%. Doesn't matter. We're, we're commanded to bear the burdens of others. The second thing that, that it does is it allows us to participate in God's work. And I don't know about you, but this is where I've gotten to it in my life. Hey God, all the stuff that I had planned for myself, I wanted to be a professional golfer. My backup plan was I was gonna be an attorney. I am doing neither of those things, neither of those things. So I've kind of like gotten to this place where I'm like, I'm not really sure exactly what's around the next corner. All I wanna do is live a life that is in participation with what you're doing around me. And there is no better way to do that than to intercede and take care of the people around us. And there are a lot of needs around us. Every week, Kimberly sends some prayer requests that get left behind to the, to the elder team and to our prayer team. And we have an opportunity. I usually get that around Tuesday or Wednesday during the week to just open those up and just pray for the people of our church who are asking for help. And there's no greater joy than to see those prayers be answered and to see God work in those things. I love what it says in 1 Timothy 2, one through four. It says, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, 
for kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. Like, is there a more timely verse than, than that? With all that's going on in our world and all that's going on in our community to just stop and pray for others, to pray for our leaders, whether you disagree with them or agree with them, to pray for the people around you. Why? So that all people will come to the knowledge of truth. That's ultimately what God is after. His glory, restoration with humanity, right? Bringing us back to himself. The third thing that, that praying for others do is it, is it helps us to grow in our trust as we see that God does only what he can do. Um, I, lo- I love this scripture. It says, I have said these things so that in me, you may have peace. And in the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. When we intercede on behalf of others, when we step out and say, hey, Lord, I'm trusting you for this. And then we see him move. It helps us to grow in our faith. It's like muscle repetition, right? Like if I want to get stronger, I got to lift, I got to lift some weights, right? I got to practice. And when we intercede on behalf of others, when we pray on behalf of others, we get to see God move. And we, we grow in our, in our own faith by seeing what he can do in the lives of other people. It's critical, critical that we do this. So let me ask you this morning, who are you praying for? Who are you praying for? Hopefully there's three or four or five names that come to mind and maybe you're praying for different things. Hey Lord, I'm praying that this person comes to have a relationship with you. I'm praying for a difficult situation that this person's in. I'm praying for healing. I'm praying for restoration. Um, But who are you praying for this morning? Who are you praying for this morning? You'll get something out of it too, as you see God move. And the third thing is prayer for ourselves. This is an area where I need to do, I need to do better. Um, one, I need to do it more consistently. Um, and most importantly, I need to do it more in alignment with God's word. My, my, my general tendency, and I don't know about you, is to get into an uncomfortable situation and just say, man, like, God, could you just make this uncomfortable situation go away? This really stinks. I really don't enjoy this. Could you just like help me get through the day? Could you just make this thing go away? And I don't think that's, I don't think that's what God's asking from us. Um, I love this story in 1 Chronicles 1, uh, uh, 20 and 21. It's um, Jehoshaphat's prayer. And um I'll just read this. I'll just read this excerpt from it to you. And it says, and they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire. As they went before the army and said, Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. I don't know if you caught this, but I'll, I'll, I'll frame it up by saying it this way. When you're in an uncomfortable situation, are you singing or are you fighting? 
I love what Jehoshaphat did here. He's surrounded by this enemy army and he gathers up the counsel of his people and he doesn't put the guys with the swords and the spears and the shields and the armor at the front and then walk out into the battlefield. He puts the singers up there in the, in the probably singing outfits that they were wearing. Yeah. I don't, I don't, Lord only knows what those looked like. Maybe they were, you know, old school choir robes. I don't know. But he put the singers out front. <laughs> and, and, and this is what they said. Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. They're fixing to get whooped. They're surrounded on all sides by an enemy army. And Jehoshaphat doesn't respond by, by fighting. He just says, let's go sing. That's not how I respond. When, when I get into a tough situation, man, I bow up. Uh, I'll pop somebody. Not saying that's biblical, obviously it's not. <laughs> but, but that's my natural inclination is to, is to go, I'm backed into a corner. It's time to bow up. I got to fight. I got to figure my way out of this. And what we read in, 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 from Jehoshaphat is just like, maybe I should just sing. Maybe I should just praise the Lord. Wow. The second thing when, when it comes to praying for ourselves is are, are, are we looking, when we're praying, are we looking for comfort or are we looking for growth? You know, this year has been like a terrible year, to be honest. Um, I, I, I wish I could stand up here and say like, I, this year has been like jam up. I got it going on. My house is flooded. Um, I've had all kinds of challenges with some different business endeavors that I'm involved in. Um, it's just been exhausting. It's just been exhausting. Um, a couple nights ago, actually it was a little over a week ago, I went out into the driveway for something and, and I was just so tired and so defeated. I laid on my driveway and I looked up at the stars above my house and I was just like, I don't even know what to do. Like, I'm just tired. And I told another elder uh, uh, at one of our meetings a couple of weeks ago, I was like, man, I just am like off center. I just don't feel comfortable. I normally love chaos. I invite chaos. Ask my wife, I create chaos in my own life. If it is quiet, I will lose my mind. The more things coming at me, the more problems to solve, the bigger the challenge, man, that's, that's my jam. But this year has been just a gut punch. It has not been fun. And I think one of the things that the Lord is saying to me is, hey, Bennett, like you're praying for all of these big things in your life. And then I bring a few bumps in the road and, and you're like, I'm tired. I don't like that. I don't, I don't wanna have to do that anymore. This is, how I, this is how I talk in my head. And then I'm a little embarrassed and I go, man, like, you're right, God. I'm asking you for big things in my life. I, it's not gonna be Augusta National. 
I'm not gonna be the biggest lawyer in Atlanta, but I got some, I got some new things that you've put in my heart and they're big, they're real big. Why am I stumbling over these small things? A few months of uncomfortableness and I'm ready to toss in the towel. I think what I found myself saying is, you know, Bennett, you, you want to ask for a miracle, but you don't want to be in the situation that requires a miracle. Hmm. I want to see a miracle. Hey God, I'd love to see a miracle. Would love to see you do more in my life. Would love to see you do some things that I've never seen before. I just don't want to be uncomfortable while you're doing it. And I think I just need to remind myself this morning and maybe remind you that it takes sunshine and rain for things to grow. It takes sunshine and rain for things to grow. And if God is gonna make us more like himself, we're gonna go through some stuff. And so maybe this morning, rather than saying, hey, God, just take this thing away, will you just walk through it with me? Will you just help me walk through it? Maybe that's your prayer of faith. Just, will you just walk through it with me? I love what it says in um, Philippians 4.13. We've probably all heard this uh, verse before. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think on every sports team I've ever been on, um, man, it, that, was, that was like, you know, pinned on the wall somewhere. But did you know that Philippians 4.13 has actually nothing to do with winning a game? has nothing to do with winning a game. I know it's surprising, um, but it has nothing to do with winning a game. It has nothing to do with a great business accomplishment. It has nothing to do with a great family accomplishment. Um, Nothing at all to do with that. Let's read a couple verses before, starting in verse 11, where, where Paul says this. Philippians 4 starting in verse 11. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of placing, facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. the secret to life is centering our eyes on Jesus. That's it. My parents just celebrated their 40th wedding anniversary in February. And I remember when I got married, I, I asked my dad, I'm like, man, dad, how have you, how have you, how have you done it? Like, cause at the time it was about 30 years. So how, how'd you do it? And my dad's response to me was on my knees. I didn't really understand exactly what he meant by that because um, it was my wedding day and like things were great. And, um, you know, I don't know if you can say this at church, but I used to watch The Bachelor and Bachelorette with my wife, of course, girlfriend at the time. And like, we kind of lived in that life. Like we were a dual income. We had no kids. We'd wake up on a Saturday and it was like, what do you want to do? And, and then life Hit. And it was kind of like those scenes in The Bachelor where you're like, I'm in Fiji hanging with this beautiful woman and it's like, life is good. And then 
they get back to real life and, you know, they're dating. And then all of a sudden in InTouch magazine, six months later, they hate each other. They've blocked each other on all their social channels. And you're like, but three months ago in Fiji, you loved each other. And I mean, the, the reality is that like when we get our eyes off center and we start to go through challenging things, we will never make it through. We'll never make it through. The goal of life is not to survive, it's to, it's to thrive and it's to put our eyes on Jesus Christ who is the author and finisher of all things. He's got you, he's got you. So it begs the question, are, are we aligned to God's will or our, or our own will? Psalm 37, four says this, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What do we have to do first? We have to delight ourselves in the Lord and then all the other stuff will come. And what I love about this verse and what's been a unique challenge for me is that when I delight myself in the law of the Lord, do you know what happens to the desires of my heart? They change, they change. Going back to what I used to be eight, nine years ago as a, as a person, and the Lord knows I'm far from perfect. The things that mattered to me, the things that I wanted to accomplish, all the stuff that I had planned out for my life, man, they were all about me. They're all about me. And while I still fall into that temptation of what's comfortable and good for Bennett, the more I get, in alignment and intimate with Jesus, the more the desires of my heart change. So we're like, hey, I don't wanna make money anymore so that I can just rack up stuff for me and people think I'm cool. I wanna make money so I can give it away. You know, I never used to think like this, but a couple of years ago, the Lord put a number in my head. And so when you get to this number in your career, everything else is like, I want you to keep working, but I want you to give it away. What, what else do you need? What else do you need? Trust me. So when we walk in intimacy with the Lord, the desires of our hearts change. And what's cool about that is when, when we kind of bring it all back together, when we align ourselves with God's word and with his will, that's when we start praying things and seeing those prayers answered. So this morning, as we close up and wrap up, we're gonna do, a, we're gonna do a, an extra song this morning. And I just wanna ask you, what are you praying for? I love what Mark Batterson says. Mark Batterson says this, he says, show me the size of your prayers and I'll show you the size of your God. Man, I grew up in a super traditional, amazing church, but a super traditional church. And, and I put God in a box. And maybe early on, because I had a, a misalignment with what God was saying about healing in particular, I just self-limited what it was that God's capable of doing. And as I spend time around this place and around these people and this church and this community, God is tearing the lid off of that box. 
So I wanna ask you this morning, what are you praying for? How big of a God do you believe in? What are you asking for? What's in your heart that you need to run with and you need to go hard after? And what's in your heart that you need to say, hey, like, I need to submit this to Jesus. I need to submit this to the Lord. So this morning, as we finish up in worship, whether it's in your seat or you come down front, I'd ask you to do one of three things, maybe multiple if you're feeling bold. One, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've never taken that step, if you've never prayed that prayer of faith, I mean, I would beg of you this morning, I'd beg of you this morning to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And there'll be some elders down here. Our prayer team will be down here. There'll be someone here that can help you do that. The second thing I'd ask you to do is I'd ask you to write down, think about who it is in your life you need to be praying for. Is it your spouse? Is it your kids? Is it someone in your community, someone at your job? Would you just offer up a prayer for them? Would you just put their needs before the Lord and say, hey God, I don't know what you're up to in that person's life, but would you just do something miraculous? Would you step out in faith and would you do that this morning? And the last thing I'd ask you to do is, as you look inside your heart and you look inside who you are, would you just ask the Lord, hey Lord, what, what needs to stay? What needs to go? What am I not asking you for that I should? What am I asking you for that I shouldn't? Would you clarify the desires of my heart so that I can pray prayers like Elijah? I can step out and say, hey, this is gonna happen. And I know it's gonna happen because I'm in alignment with the will of God, right? So this morning as we pray, um, I just wanna leave us with this. this, this verse from Ephesians 3.20. This is something I've clung to many times. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.